0: Hello and welcome to Coffee Lovers Radio. Joseph here with Jesse Nelson, our conduit coffee. Howdy. Howdy. Chester and Simon have left us now. Yeah. Definitely left a stain on all of our reputations, I'm afraid. A stain in many ways.
1: We're drinking some really good coffee today, though. Yeah, this is so exciting. Thank you so much for sharing, Joseph. Okay. I'm just holding the cup and letting it warm my soul. This is one of the better cups of coffee I've had.
0: This is. Long time. Uh, this is a Yemen coffee. It is from, I should have brought the darn card with me. So actually, I did a, uh, whatever. It's, it's, um. We're prepared. Like I said, it's from Yemen. It's Al-Jabal region or province. I know. Super prepared. I did a video on it too. So I'll, so li- I'll link to Reference the, the video. I'll link and- to the video in the show notes. Uh, point is, we're drinking really good coffee right now. And this is from. This was a surprise to me. I didn't, I didn't. I wasn't aware that we we're going to be having this, so I don't feel that unprepared.
1: So this is a really special Yemeni coffee from the port of Mocha importers,
0: yes, um, which is partly our good friend Mukhtar alconcellelli. Yep, of course. And um, I mean, we talked about his story before, and uh, a lot. I mean, you can't yeah. get enough of it, so every time we get a chance, we talk about it.: Well, of course what I like to <laughs> I'm kind of tired of talking about the story, so I just point people to the book. Like, the book's amazing. It's, it's an amazing. Have sti- you read it's it? an amazing story and it's in a book. Yeah. <laughs> written by David Eggers. <laughs> Have you gotten your way through it yet? Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm just about there. What I really love about the book, we were talking about David Eggers before, and it's it's such a great, especially the first third, it's such a great rehash on all the things that go into coffee, and mm-hmm. somebody kind of discovering that, then also having this cultural sort of inert awareness of that, and kind of draw to it, so it's really a beautiful story. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's The Monk of
0: Mocha by David Eggers. Yeah, um, I do like the uh, uh, and and I identify a lot with with much of his experience. Like, he, and you'll you'll read in the book how he he wasn't at all into coffee until he had a certain experience, right? And then he just got sucked deep down. Oh a yeah. rabbit hole. It's like you trip and fall down that rabbit hole and you're yeah. stuck, and then you're screwed. Yeah. Um. And then suddenly you have a podcast. Yep. And then you have drinking characters out. like Chester and Simon.
1: Yeah, drinking out of antique Pyrex. This coffee. I, there's not enough to say about amazing coffee like this. I mean, there's there's a I, lot a lot of growing regions can have really ridiculous coffees. There's something so yeah, special about Yemen because it's rare, so we rarely get this combination of flavors. But I find and then it, this is the oh, best of the
0: best. I though. find it really hard to describe exactly why this is different, but it I can, feels like
1: there's vanilla syrup in there. It feels like there's a coating of sweetness, like but it's just...
0: Well, Primal was,
1: raw sugar just in yeah. your face,
0: like very, very natural, very wild sugar. Aside from the the varieties being um, mostly unique, although I think the, the varieties of, of these coffees, of this coffee and of... Um, so th- just backtracking really quickly for, for a reference, uh, Port of Mocha, they're an importer. They do a subscription service now, so you can order the coffee directly from them, roasted on a monthly basis. Uh it's a really good deal. We'll get into that in a moment. Um, and the this this one that we're having right now is from February. So even it's like you're recording this end of March right now. It's been a while since this was roasted. Yeah. It's still absolutely a month, five absolutely weeks. Absolutely fantastic. I mean no, it's like two months since this was roasted. Still wonderful. <laughs> All, it, no, but it is. Harping, we're always harping on how right like, you, you have to drink the coffee. It's a really really light out. roast, so I would
1: I would say that that would last perhaps a little bit longer. You know, for it to dial in, at least takes longer to settle down but to brew. I, it. I mean, um, I,
0: I had this. Way. This coffee it was, is ridiculous.
1: Like it, when yeah. it when it doesn't matter about the age of the coffee, you know the green yeah. the green raw agriculture product is right really high quality.
0: Um, but as, aside from the the variety, oh, that's what I was gonna say. The variety is Udaini <sighs> Which is they call it ancient Tipica. So what I'm assuming, and I haven't like verified this exactly through them or through through other fact checking, is that this is directly related to the coffee that was taken out of Yemen, which became the Tipica that right. essentially did its little tour through Europe for a while, a little secretive tour through Europe. World. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, so, yeah, exactly, and it was one of the early ones for the island coffees from the Spanish colonies, I yeah. believe.
0: Um, but aside from having unique varieties, Maybe. like like Ethiopia has wild unique varieties, this this coffee, these coffees are grown at uh, ridiculously high altitudes, yeah, really stressful, pretty darn close to eight thousand feet. Um, What's beautiful at Yemen. I encourage all of our
1: listeners to just look up pictures of Yemen coffee on uh, on Google because um, most most coffee regions they center their coffee processing. Everything goes downhill from they they pick on the hillsides and go downhill. But for a lot of reasons. In Yemen, their villages are on top of the hills, mm. and so when you see the beautiful pictures of these high altitude deserts, you can see these squares of red cherries on top. Yeah, um, it's it's a considering they have so many. It's such it's the ancient you know the second oldest coffee growing region, but the first commercial coffee growing region in right. the world. Well, I um, think it
0: the the if from they, all the research that I've done, it's the first region to cultivate
1: coffee. Right. Um, it's not the first place it was consumed or anything, but no. I mean, but it was right across the the Straits of Aden in right. Ethiopia, where it was first cultivated and first, you know, and so, but yeah, it was the Arab Yemeni traders that discovered it and introduced mm-hmm. it, and then they're inherently so. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of varieties, over 10,000 varieties they've found in Ethiopia um, that are naturally hybridized, but Yemen has five to 7,000 that they've discovered that are naturally hybridized coffee, so... Um, yet we don't get it. I mean, there's so many political reasons why we don't get their coffee um, Yeah, and
0: it's remarkable. It's certainly uh, I mean, one of the things it has brought to to a lot of discussion aside from the deliciousness of this coffee and And the politics which I am not well-versed on it's just strawberries it's, and vanilla um, like white chocolate mm. it Is the is the kind of cost of coffee and, yeah, how much do I owe you for this cup? Uh, well, so the that's the nice thing about so Moca's monthly um, subscription, uh, you can get a bag. It's five ounces for twenty eight dollars a month right okay. now. I, I mean, uh, which is it's kind of astonishing to me considering everything that goes into it. That's a really good price to me. Right. So you get experience. about a third
1: of a pound. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's quite expensive. I
0: guess that's true. It is, but it's things.
1: also it's a smaller amount, so you don't necessarily yeah. have to pay the per dollar out. You know, so you can experience this one cup of coffee. This is not a daily drinker, no. at that price, especially. But I mean, it's a, it's a rich coffee. You'd have to baby this brew yeah. every single time, um, which is okay. Uh, it's only twenty eight dollars. Yep. I feel like I need this experience. Yeah, all the time. Or we could just get together and do more podcasts, and you can keep bringing. <laughs>
0: That's, I heard you had another bag. Yeah, it's right here. I said we could brew it. You're yeah, we like, I don't need that much coffee. Next
1: week's episode. Oh. eight dollars so I mean, you're getting
0: What should coffee cost? What what is it what is it cost? <laughs> what should you? this coffee cost? What but should this
1: experience?
0: What what just in general. I mean, so th- this is in in like the sphere of media. The 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 this coffee has popped up, not this coffee in particular, but Porter Mocha's coffee has popped up yeah. as you can go to Blue Bottle and get a cup for $16 and that's kind of been this big news story right. sort of thing that's, that's flown around and it's it's highlighted the uh, maybe coffee should cost more because if it costs less than a certain amount um, at some point someone along the way is getting screwed
1: right and well I think that there's a lot of weight to what you're saying um I think it's, they're absolutely right that we need to start this conversation, and they're certainly not the first, but the mm. quality coffee, quality food in general um, should cost more than lesser quality food, right? And we see that with ag- agriculture all the time, that you have the cheaper agricultural products like corn and, and soybeans and stuff like that. They're just kind of mass produced, and then you have really lovely heirloom or heirloom grains and things that are cared mm. for more, right? And those cost more. Same with restaurants. You have cheaper food. You have more expensive food. They require more skill and more experience to get into, so coffee is one of those weird things that forever it's just seemed like no you can only charge this because it's there's a lot of economic
0: dynamics you're talking in particular like um, from a, from a cafe perspective like going to a going to a cafe and getting like a latte for example right yeah or, or
1: bags at the grocery stores things okay. like that yeah. like consumer coffee at that consumer level of
0: coffee I, I I mean I'm sure that has to do with just how uh ingrained coffee is into the social fabric so i everyone drinks it there isn't like a should
1: the like a price that coffee should cost because all the regional differences and labor and
0: and growing and water availability and all that kind of stuff make differences so in in yemen's particular case obviously the effort to take this out is much higher than
1: well right and so that's what i was going to say is that the like the commodity level coffee that's not paying farmers very much at all, you know, 10 to 20 cents a pound um, in Guatemala is not fair to the producers there. When they could be producing coffee that's worth four to $5 a pound. And it's this green pound price. Um, and that's about where specialty coffee is kind of around four um, for reasonable specialty coffee. And then you can go up from there. And so there's a lot of dynamics that like, just that we deserve the farmers deserve to get paid a lot more for their coffee. And so that, that's a, that's one area that coffee should cost more. And that's a price that a lot of most, most coffee Companies aren't—they—they they can't pass—they can't pay those prices without passing that price on to consumers. Mm. But we're beholden to them. And there's also regional differences. You know, Hawaiian coffee is American labor versus Guatemalan coffee or Honduran coffee. It's not American labor, so that changes a lot of things. Um, but I think, and you're touching on this—the thing with Yemen is that there's a lot more competition for that land and for the the human resources to grow this coffee. There's a lot of competition to grow the the cat. The, Right drug mm-hmm. that's worth you know twenty to twenty five dollars per pound, considered. yeah, um, and it it takes a it it can grow about I don't know it's it's a they get a lot more money growing this this simulant on their property than they do growing coffee yeah. and coffee takes a lot more effort to grow so it takes more skill and more and so in places like this it's like yes like labor labor is not really the issue that we're talking about in Yemen because the country's falling apart you know mm-hmm. it's not that the farmers deserve to get paid more they absolutely do of course but. The farmers have to have a reason to grow coffee instead of right. a stimulant instead of and, a drug. Oh, I mean, and I, that's why you have to meet the you have to meet the price of the drug per acre right. so that there's an incentive for the farmers to grow something other than that because they do need the money. The country's falling apart. They need it be there. They need to get that and they're gonna get the lowest the lowest hanging fruit of where that money can come from. And so what's beautiful about Mokhtar, the port of Mocha and this project is that they are finding that value and so yes, they could, they need to charge that much to, comp- to compete. But then per cup, at our end, this is some of the most ridiculous and amazing yeah. coffee in the world. So suddenly, it is worth that dollar oh, th- per I pound I think it's price. interesting because
0: when you if you go and read the story, which you definitely should, um, you'll see that this isn't something like they went <sighs> in and decided that this is what I need to be paid. So that then it it's was not that a marketing good. strategy. It was. Um, all the coffee coffee was blindly tasted, and then we rated there. highly, and then discovered that, oh, that's this coffee.
1: And we were there for that first tour that he came, like, For the around. first SCA, yeah. yeah.
0: They, 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 had done, they had done cuppings prior to that.
1: Right, but they're on that tour. That was, like, the first time they had brought it in, and, like, they're on the North American tour showcasing their coffees, and we were there for that SCA version right. of it with that presentation, and that was the most amazing cupping I've ever been to. Oh, yeah. So it's Uh,
0: it's this is this is not a case of of fabrication. Exactly, and I think that Um, you
1: know, and I don't want to knock the efforts in like Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee because you know the farmers are getting paid worthwhile wages, but that's a lot. That's a lot more of a marketing strategy of of falsely increasing the value of it. Um,
0: Let's see. So Jamaica Blue Mountain and let's see, and and Kona, they had this. um, I mean, long ago, I don't I remember what the years were, but they decided on this certification system. To protect the value that they had perceived at the time. Right, it's, yeah, protectionist and, agriculture. And, and really good Jamaica Blue Mountain, really good Kona is really tasty. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I don't think I would pay uh, what I paid for this Yemen for a Kona or a Jamaica Blue Mountain.
1: Right, and that's the difference in that story, I guess, and why that... Well, why even just the in the coffee itself.
0: Right. Like, just, oh. I, well, I guess, maybe that's my taste. Maybe right. that's where that perspective... Let me ask you, what should coffee... What should coffee cost? I don't know. I wanted to ask you, when you talked about um, green coffee being four to five dollars a pound, and that was uh, like a a standard price that a a specialty importer or roaster or whatever would pay, how does that translate into a roasted bag? Like, a pound or 12 ounces seems to be pretty common. Yeah, I mean, it's different depending on the scale. Conduit's very small, so our percentage of labor per Mm -hmm.
1: pound of coffee is much, much higher because we have to do so many more batches because our... Our roaster is so small, right? So, if you can crank out 600 pounds in one batch, it's a lot different than doing you know 60 batches of coffee, right? Um, so I mean, there's a basic formula that I use, and I add our, our roasting labor, our bagging labor, our delivery labor, um, cost of the bags, um, you know, uh, debt payments, loan payments, that kind of thing, and then just general profit, and I add those together, and then I add that onto the cost of the green coffee. And then multiply by the moisture that we lose in the roasting process. So you pay a per pound green pound, and then you lose about you know fifteen to twenty percent of that moisture out of that weight. And so your four dollars a pound um, turns into four dollars and eighty cents pretty quickly per mm-hmm. roasted pound of that coffee, just flat across. So yeah, I mean for us to compete with regular. Um, I mean I shouldn't say regular but compete with regu- like regular coffee out there it's hard to match their prices and still pay people living wages here mm-hmm. um, and it's and coffee's so intricate that you have to pay managers to really just know those
0: components um so for for getting into like as as a consumer who wants to like get into really good tasting coffee we can look at specialty coffee because it's a, it's a certified it's a certified rating uh, yeah as yeah. far as the quality of coffee so so looking at just specialty coffee uh, from my experience, you're you're gonna be paying twelve to sixteen dollars for what a twelve ounce bag of coffee, something like that, at least, right?
1: Yeah, and I would say that that's that's higher end specialty coffee. Okay. Um, but yeah, like like small batch roasted coffee, hand roasted coffee, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but that's that's a price that's sort of evolved out of being competitive with larger roasters okay. that can charge that, and that's how they make their profit. But uh, most consumers, and this is changing quickly in the last few years, but like most consumers aren't going to go and spend $25 on a pound because it's coming from, you know, a small little business when they can go to a, you know, just coffee. Right. like there's that, that combat mm-hmm. between like being a foodie and just having your coffee in the morning, right. you know, and having your daily routine versus having a geographic experience on Yemen and thinking about how something this yeah. amazing can come out of a country. That's that devastated.
0: I guess you're not gonna, you're not gonna get a, what, what would this end up being $80 a pound or something like that? For your, for your everyday morning coffee.
1: <laughs> right, and <laughs> I would love to. And yeah, I think that yeah. that's, that's that romantic zeal that sort of gets people into trouble getting into coffee <laughs> is because you want everything to be like that. Yeah. But it's just, it doesn't make sense, you know? And the more, per, like, the more pristine you get with your coffee palate, the more, uh, the, the smaller the profit margins are on yeah. that outcome. So the more that you don't want your 16-ounce vanilla mocha and you want your just straight black espresso the more that that entire profit margin on all those components aren't there anymore. So it's like the higher end you want to get on your coffee program, the less money you're going to make on it, even though it takes that much more skill and the coffee is that much more expensive. And it's this yeah. hilarious thing. And the thing also with coffee, just to throw this out there, it's a little bit of a tangent, but the thing with coffee is that like, if a consumer finds a beer that they love, they're going to buy more of that beer. Mm-hmm. It lasts a while. They can keep it. They savor it. They drink more of it. You know, uh, The same thing is true with... Um, you know, a lot, any, any most consumer yeah. products, like you're going to go buy more of that. It's I, I really like these gloves or I really like these socks. I'm going to go buy more of these socks. I'm going to keep buying socks from this and I'm going to probably purchase more or whatever, you know, and I think food is one of those things. Like you just keep going, you really fall in love with Thai food. You just keep buying more Thai food. The thing with coffee is that you can't drink any more. Like it doesn't matter if you're Jeff Bezos or you're Joe Schmo in the street, like you're pretty much just drinking your one pot of coffee a day. Right. And so there's that dichotomy there as well. So it's totally insulated from most of the wealth disparity, um, except for the consumers at this end and the farmers at the other end. Mm. So it's a really great way to vote with your wallet when you can. Yeah. So, you know, if you have the means or if you have the interest, step aside from the regular routine and go spend, you know, $28 on five ounces of coffee occasionally and really support something that's ridiculous. And so it's like this odd thing with consumer coffee that very little goes like, what did I say? The the very like it's, it's really important. You, but you, ugh, there's a lot of space to vote with your wallet, where right. that can help all of us along the line. But it's really difficult for us to actually get in there and and make those choices for you ahead of time.
0: Well, I I think there's also uh, I'm just stepping back a little. Just popped in my head as you were talking about the beer thing. I think with coffee there's this tendency to save the expensive stuff for. Um, more special occasions, and like if, if you're a sort of daily coffee drinker, where you where you always have a particular coffee in the morning, mm-hmm. you I think you're more likely to um, go for quote unquote value in that in that slot of your coffee. But right. compared to like beer, if you find a really specialty beer, you're not gonna keep getting cases of Bud Light, right? And then get the occasional you know four pack of they're yeah. really expensive or Like, whatever. if you fall
1: in love with IPAs, you're going to stop drinking Bud Light. Yeah, exactly. Basically.
0: Um, I think I think that to a certain extent, like, if you <laughs> fall in love with, like, light roasted coffee, you're going to stop getting a certain level of cheaper roasted coffee because it's right. just not going to taste good.
1: Right. And that's where that fascination with, like, the different routines in coffee and where that can go. But, I mean, so so things are changing in coffee, and I think it's I think it's really important that people understand that there's other cost structures to this coffee that... that mm. It's really important to to support, and the easiest way to support that's with your wallet, with good roasters that are paying good dollar for these farmers, so they can keep doing it. But there's a really interesting trend I, that we're seeing, and that's that understanding that people should be paying more for coffee. Mm-hmm. And Starbucks, I'll give them a nod right. to this that they they are helping us all out a lot with their new Reserve coffee. Um, they are because they have such a massive market share of consumers that by them introducing Blonde Roast and higher-end coffee, even if it's not the highest-end coffee or it's not quite what we're doing, but they are training their own customers, because they're, their market share, they're training their customers to start paying more for different and better coffees, things that are outside the, the beaten path. You know? mm-hmm. So you can go to Starbucks and get just their regular espresso, but you can also go and get a much higher-end yeah. coffee. And same thing, I mean, we're seeing that. And so you know Nestle buying Blue Bottle, but then continuing to support this this uh, porta Mocha through the through those networks and selling it out of the Bay Area, like that's, that's adding a lot. And so that's where like the bigger companies are helping, helping finance, but also helping educate consumers that there's a different, there's different tiers of what you can spend on coffee, just like wine. I mean, you can go and just have your daily drinker of their coffee that your wine that makes you special or makes you,
0: makes you special. Wow. Well,
1: it's, it's, but, but, or, you know, and then you have stuff that's a treat, but it's, um,
0: it's interesting seeing the, the, um, you're talking about these big companies coming in and helping this stuff happen. Uh, but, but I think it's, it's more like obviously Starbucks is observing the the trend and the direction that people uh, are headed. And I think it's it's absolutely a growing um, market, a, a growing change that people have started to think about coffee in a different way. Great. Less as something that you use and more as something that you enjoy, which is a massive like mental shift to make. Once you go from this is this is a thing that I use in the morning to, oh, I can actually enjoy the craft of this and really get into the taste, right. that's, a, that's a monumental shift in perspective. Right. Um, and and these big companies have seen that that's, that's starting to happen at an increasing pace. And uh, obviously they need to be a part of it, and so thus reserve, right. thus Nestle buying into Blue Bottle, that sort of thing.
1: But conversely, but, it's really expensive to support these yeah. smaller farmers, right? It, I mean, it takes so much more effort per pound to get a two bag right. micro well, and, lot and out Starbucks of
0: Starbucks can't do that
1: right but they can <laughs> help with that but that so it's getting really expensive so the fact that like companies can continue to do that like mm-hmm. Blue Bottle can, can continue their relationships with producers and the mechanisms they've created but they don't have the cash flow restrictions they don't have like the big money restrictions it doesn't let them mm-hmm. support more good farmers you know right. so I mean it's a give and take I mean it's a shame when you see smaller businesses become bigger businesses,
0: but... Yeah. Um, I think it'd be really interesting if you if you start to see, like, a really big business, I don't know if there's ever anything that could happen, but, like, Nestle, buy into a company like Atlas. And where Atlas... I'm not saying... I'm not suggesting that this happen. I'm just saying Atlas is a really wonderful company that goes to... Um, <laughs> stop giving me looks! I'm just gonna let you finish that, your statement. Okay. That... that, that, that <laughs> atlas does a lot of really wonderful direct work with farmers Mm -hmm. and bringing in uh like not just bringing in really good coffee but helping farmers develop and that sort of thing well okay what if atlas had the financial clout of yeah you don't know do you you don't know what is this actually happening yeah (laughs) is this like official Uh, yeah it's
1: absolutely been put out there um no they've taken a they've taken a share it's not from nestle at all it's not that big but it's from um the the uh parent company of Inter American Coffee has invested in the programs of Atlas.
0: Oh well that's fantastic.
1: Right. And it's like it's like, well that's that's a you know, it's getting bigger and that's a big company coming in and kind of you know, but on the other hand, from the business perspective, it's it's absolute success. And they can carry on with all the things that they're passionate about and keep those programs up and then have all this other access to everything that they don't have the money for, the resources for. So
0: yeah. Um, well, and and this, I'm because I'm looking at I'm looking at Starbucks and seeing what they're doing. Huge company. They do a lot of wonderful things at the farm, but they can't really go to a farmer that produces five bags a year and sell right. that in there. But they could. And I'm not saying that Starbucks would do this, or maybe they can't do this, but they could have the ability to supply that to a smaller. And worcester. they're
1: starting to do that. That's happening in uh, Sumatra and places like that, where okay. there's a lot of corruption, just a lot of. Okay. Like cultural, not I shouldn't say it's all corruption, but there's just a lot of disconnect between the coffee that's produced and the money the farmers are getting and what it's charging, and then quality issues and, and then corruption on top of that and just um, yeah. So Starbucks is is completely revolutionizing how those that's systems wonderful. work in that country to help everybody else. It certainly helps them
0: because it, it's but it seems- it's also
1: they're verifying. So even some of the Sumatran coffees that we see come through have Starbucks. Names on the burlap okay. because they've verified the, the traceability of this coffee oh, through very their very own great. networks, and yeah. that's a, that's a brand new thing. That's so, wonderful. I mean, that's where, and I, 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 you know, it. And we were talking about this before we started recording, but it's like so little of what makes Starbucks successful is the coffee itself. What makes them successful is the consistency of their yeah. coffee and that routine of making people happy. Um, and so,
0: well, and they've. I mean, their their original whole brand was built around a certain image and community. Yeah. And, the coffee was just a vehicle for that connection and they're kind of continuing it, but stepping it into this higher quality.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, they're kind of alone in their little niche area. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of competition except maybe like Dunkin' Donuts, you know, but there's not you know, Dunkin Tim Donuts Hortons and stuff right. like that. Like no. it's, it, those are sort of the competitive areas, but they're pretty limited. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more competition at certain levels of those corporate, Things that I'm unaware of. But I mean, they're kind of alone. So I think that they're, they're, they're coming back in and they're seeing every, all the work that roasters like us are doing. And they want to do that because their customers are being more educated as well. Um, but they just have that market clout. They can do that. So. Um. Yeah, I applaud them kind of helping us, helping consumers discover that there's different prices for coffee, just Mm -hmm. like wine, just like steaks, just like every other kind of food that we consume, pants, anything else. Coffee is just one of those things that's been insulated forever from that, you know, that's been put in that industrial agriculture realm, and it's not. And the more we appreciate that it's not in that realm, the more we get coffees like this. Yemen. This tasted like vanilla and orange creamsicle on that last set like this was (laughs) thank you so much Joseph for sharing this coffee that made my day and I've had a lot of coffee if you can't tell
0: yeah and we're about to have some more
1: yeah I mean for next week but yeah. yeah next week yeah stay tuned I'm pouring it right now
0: yeah why not um, yeah, I feel, like, I feel like we could talk forever on, on, on this subject. It's particularly fascinating to me just seeing, seeing the changes. Um, and, and what's intriguing to me right now, just based off the conversation that we've been having, is is this... You've got a small roaster like yourself, and you can, do, you can do absolutely wonderful things with the taste of coffees that a much larger roaster really can't do just because they're roasting so much. Yeah, and we have the variety, the flexibility in our but variety. But you also have the challenge where you can't go and invest in a farm and and help it grow and develop right and it's like this weird chicken and egg thing of of okay how do you how do you make that happen get the value to the farms that you need but then also still make sure that you're representing the quality of the coffee and all this it's endless
1: um i would i i would like to see what other people think if we can open up to to maybe some contact from our, our listeners just what what's worth it to you is it the flavor is it the experience is it the the story Mm-hmm. You know, there's certain coffees that have wonderful stories. They might not be the best tasting coffees, but it's a really great charity to support by giving them fair wages yeah. for their coffee as they learn. You know. Um,
0: I guess a good question is is when do you spend more on your coffee? Right. Is, is it the cute is barista?
1: That? Is it the story from <laughs> Yemen? Like
0: <laughs> what is a what is a good price to you? What is an expensive price? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. What should coffee cost? Yeah. Just uh, check the show notes or email me Joseph at CoffeeLoversMag dot com. Mm-hmm. We'll uh, we'll have a conversation. If we get enough, get enough responses, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a little Q&A sort of episode. We can go over them. Yeah. That sort of thing. You have been listening to Coffee Lovers Radio. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Support the producers. Check out Coffee Lovers Magazine at coffeeloversmag.com and download our app. Also get yourself some fantastic coffee from Conduit Coffee at conduitcoffee.com.